Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on the show, including your stories. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. The Nostalgia Awakens is an exhibit featuring every action figure toy made by Kenner Toys from 1978 to 1985, based on the original three Star Wars movies. The Star Wars toys on display are from Jared Roll, Enthusiast and museum curator from Wisconsin, he and his brother Kevin owned many of the toys when they were children. As an adult, Jared collected the rest of the original toys. In part one of this two-part story, we learn that Star Wars was released in May of 1977, 
to just 32 theaters nationwide, and how George Lucas's movie revolutionized movie merchandising, licensing, and even how kids play. Here's Jared Roll with the rest of the story. One thing that toys allowed us to do is that we could carry on that story. We could relive that story. You know, we could be in control of that story that we saw on the big screen that one time. I mean, this is before the days of VHS. This is before the days uh, of any way to replay this. I didn't have any means of replaying this movie. If you wanted to see Star Wars multiple times, you had to go to the theater. And being a five-year-old kid, I didn't have any power over that. But the other thing to consider, too, is that it was only at my theater for two weeks, and then it was gone, and then it came back in 78. During that summer, it was back again for two weeks. So we needed ways to stay connected to Star Wars when we weren't seeing the movies. And how did we do that? Well, one of the best way was with action figures, because now I can take Luke and, and Ben and Walrus Man, and I can recreate that scene in the cantina. You know, when, when Walrus Man tries to attack Luke and, and Ben steps in and cuts his arm off, I can do that. And then I could take Walrus Man and I could have him be some other guy and he could have his own adventure. And, and that was a great thing about, about being a kid with action figures is that it allowed you to have control over this little world and, and be your own storyteller. And that stuff was important because, again, it was our way of, of re-entering that world when the movie wasn't there. You know, as a kid, you don't have a control over much of anything, but here I did, and that was a, that was a special thing. When Empire Strikes Back came out, uh, just how exciting that was, and the toys were there waiting for us. That was the big difference now, is that when I came out of Empire Strikes Back, and believe me, I was, you know, I was just, I, uh, just lit up with excitement, just charged coming out of there, and... And then thankfully we were able to go to a store within a matter of a few weeks and, and pick out a few toys. And that, and that was a very different experience then because uh, now the merchandising engine was churning out things, lots of things for Star Wars. Because Kenner, they learned their lesson the first time, they were prepared this time, and they had wonderful product for us. And that Christmas and the Christmas after that, we just kept on asking for Star Wars toys. Uh, you know, granted, three years were, were in between Star Wars and Empire, and then between Empire and Jedi, there were three years. And we kept engaged because, you know, Kenner was smart. Every year, they would release another wave of figures, you know, another vehicle. And in the longevity of this, of, of this, uh, this story, of this, these movies, they, it's such an effect on us that we kept engaged. You know, kids like, like me and my friends, me, I, most kids were. So that when Jedi came out, we were just as excited. But then something happened after Return of the Jedi came out. You know, again, wonderful toys there waiting for us, and we got them. You know, we either bought them with our money we saved, or we got them at birthdays or Christmases. But something was beginning to change by the time Jedi left the theaters. What was happening is that kids who grew up with the original Star Wars movie and went to see Empire... Some of them were aging out, you know, they were hitting their young teens and, you know, getting into toys isn't such a big thing for them anymore. Or if you were still in that toy age, you were seeing other toys in the toy aisles that were competing for your parents' money or your, you know, meager savings that you had. So right next to the Return of the Jedi toys, you had He-Man 
in Masters of the Universe, you had G.I. Joe, you know, the, the small G.I. Joes, the real American hero G.I. Joes. You had Transformers and GoBots and Thundercats, and it just doesn't stop. You have all these toys, these action figure toys, competing for your dollar. But the biggest thing that hurt Kenner Star Wars toys after Return of the Jedi is that George Lucas said, I'm not making any more movies. I don't have any plans for that. And he didn't say never, but he didn't say he's definitely made it clear that nothing anytime soon. And when that happened, and the kids, we knew that as kids because we wanted to know. And once we realized there's no more Star Wars, then something kind of detaches from you. And for the reasons I said already, you kind of turn your attention to other things. And so Kenner tried desperately to keep us coming back to the, the Star Wars section. Again, you know, Kenner went from a small subsidiary of General Mills Foods to one of the largest toy manufacturers in the world because of Star Wars. They're not going to give up easily on this brand. And in 1985, they decided, listen, okay, George doesn't have another movie lined up for us. Why don't we do something where we create um, a property that sounds like another Star Wars movie, even though it's not? So they created a toy line called The Power of the Force, complete with its own logo. And so they have the Power of the Force toy line. The packaging looks different. But the characters that they were making, the action figures and the vehicles, they were all from the first three movies. And there are some really neat figure choices in there, like uh, Luke in Stormtrooper uniform. Uh, you can take off his helmet and see that it's Luke. What a neat figure that would have been to have as a kid. But, but again, the problem, it was just, it was just too late. Uh, they, these toys did not sell. And you've been listening to Jared Roll talk about his experience experiencing the Star Wars trilogy and all the merchandise and Imagineering that went on thereafter. It allowed the kids to be their own storytellers, he said. As kids, we didn't have much control of anything. With our toys, we did. When we come back, more of Jared Roll's story, a story about his American youth, so many Americans who adored the Star Wars franchise and what they did with it in their imagination and beyond. The story continues here on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please... Make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the Donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. And we continue with Our American Stories and with part two of this story from museum curator Jared Roll. Let's pick up where Jared left off. George Lucas, the creator of Star Wars, decided to pull the plug on the series after the first three. But the Kenner Toy Company decided to create a new line of Star Wars action figures and playsets. Here again is Jared Roll. I recall a time... So it was in 19, it was probably around 1985, could be even 86, stopping at a, a pharmacy 
uh, and walking past to the to the magazine aisle, and there was what we call a dump bin, and that's a, like a, a square-shaped table with low sides, and inside is this stuff they're trying to clearance out. And this dump bin had Star Wars figures in it, Power of the Force figures. So I remember stopping and picking one up and looking at it, and here was a Han Solo and Carbonite figure. Kind of cool idea. It was neat. It was like the Han Solo figure, and he had a piece of Carbonite. You can put him in the block and see him through it. And I remember looking at it and thinking, that's eh, kind of neat, but... Eh, I don't, whatever. And, and what struck me too is I remember this. Looking at the price tag, there were like three or four layers of price stickers on it. And the top one said 69 cents. Because they were just, you know, they're probably like $2.95, $2.50, $1.95, cents. You know, just clearancing this stuff out. That figure today is worth thousands. Because kids like me looked at them and said, eh, and tossed them right back in there. And we went and bought a Thundercat instead. Or we went and just bought a magazine about about music. I don't know what we were into, but we weren't buying that stuff, and nobody did. And because of that, some of those toys, the Power of the Force line, they're the most coveted among collectors, and they're so cool to see because it wasn't until I was an adult collector that I even knew they made a lot of the stuff that they made towards the end because it just didn't hit the shelves. So like a lot of kids at this point, you know, I we move on either to other toys or stop getting toys, but my toys were very valuable to me and and so even though I was in, a, in my teenage years I did store my toys in actually one big old refrigerator box in the garage of my parents house and you know grew up you know went to college and it was shortly after graduating from high school I went to a record convention in Milwaukee but one of the vendors at this record convention sold a newspaper, a trade newspaper, where you could buy and sell music, but they also sold one for buying and selling antiques. And all of a sudden I look, and here is the Millennium Falcon. And somebody's saying that they're selling one for $80. So I'm like, wait a minute, you mean the stuff from my childhood now has value? I mean, it was an expensive toy, but it wasn't $80, and they're saying $80 and it's not even in the box. So. After a while, like, I'm hunched over this, this booth, and I start kneeling, and then I sit on the floor, and I'm looking through this, and the woman working at the booth, she's like, you can just take that home with you now. <laughs> you seem to be really attached to it. I'm like, oh, thanks. So I took it home, and I poured over inch by inch, and that got me thinking, I need to know, or, you know, I need to go look at my toys from my childhood, because if they have value, I could be rich. You know, I think that was one of the ideas that went through my head. That and... You just want to know, do I still have all these things? So I go home to my parents' place. Uh, so I was in my first year of college at the time, but I, I go home and I dig, dig out this big box in the garage. And I was a little sad because they weren't as white and pristine as I had remembered them. But I still had a lot of them. But now I've got this new bug inside of me that wants them all. Like I want the things I never had as a kid. How am I going to do that? Well, this was 1992, and and uh, there was you know before the internet for anything like that. So I started I started typing up lists on a typewriter of the things I wanted, or handwriting notices, little little flyers, and I hung them up in laundromats in my hometown. I hung them up um, in the grocery stores when you first go in. There's a little little community board there, and. Uh, there was a radio call-in show on our local polka music station called WTKM where you could call in, buy, sell, and sh swap. And I, you know, I'm saying, hey, I'm looking for Star Wars toys. You know, if you've got any, give me a call. And and it, in some ways it worked because what had happened is that 
at the same time this is happening, moms all over the United States are getting rid of their kids' toys. Kids from my generation, we're going off to college, mom's cleaning out the house, and they're like, they're not gonna want these toys anymore. And so they're calling me and they're saying, yeah, I've got my kid at a lot of this stuff. You know, he's, he's moved away or whatever. Come and take a look at it. So I'd go to their house and on their dining room table, there would be a selection of toys, like a whole mix. I always remember, I'd go there, I'd just ask for Star Wars stuff, but there'd be some, some G.I. Joes, some, you know, some adventure people, just a whole mix of things. And you know, the mom didn't know, she just called them all Star Wars toys. And I'd say, okay, I'll, I'll just take this one and this one. And she's like, oh, no, 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 you're gonna buy everything. You, it's all or nothing. I'm like, okay, so I just bought it all up. And I brought it home. But it wasn't until George Lucas announced in 1993, I believe it was, he said, I have plans to make more Star Wars movies. And when he said that, all of a sudden, people from my generation were like, whoa, Star Wars, I love Star Wars. Can you believe that there's actually more movies? And then shortly after that announcement, there was an, an announcement, a follow-up announcement saying that he was gonna re-release the original trilogy, uh, special editions, and that came out in 97. So in 93, 94, you're starting to hear rumblings of Star Wars coming back. And that's kind of waking things up in us. They're like, oh, this is exciting. Around that same time, Kenner Toys uh, is bought by Hasbro Toys. Now Hasbro, they're, they're big. They're one of the big two toy companies. They always have been. You know, they, they're known best for G.I. Joe, I guess. But Hasbro is huge, and they buy Kenner. And in 1995, they do something that we never thought would happen. And that is they started creating Star Wars action figure toys again. So. In ten, first time in 10 years, action figure toys are in the toy aisle. It, by the way, this is a new thing now. We're, 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 we're adults who collect toys, and we're a, you know, we've got a lot of purchasing power, and we're hungry for this stuff. So up to that point, people like me were now were buying vintage Star Wars toys, and the price started going up. I, I saw it right away. I'm like, oh, man. But then now that we have new Star Wars product, we're, we're, we're thinking two things. One, this stuff is awesome. I want it. And two, this stuff is awesome. I want it. And I'm going to buy two of them. Two of everything. One to open and to enjoy. And one to store away because it's going to be worth something big. Just like my childhood toys. Well, we know that never happened. But at the time, we, we thought it was a good plan. So we're buying up all this stuff. And I remember it was in 2001. And I'm sitting in my office at my in my apartment, and I get a package in the mail. Normally, it's really exciting. And I open it up, and like, oh, I know what this is. This is a 12-inch figure of uh, four LOM. He was a bounty hunter from Empire Strikes Back, and they made a nice 12-inch figure, very detailed, with the right weapons, and it's just a beautiful 12-inch figure. But I remember holding it in my hands and thinking, I don't feel anything about this. Like, there's no, I don't know, I. It's like, I feel nothing for this anymore, for this new stuff. And that really marked the end of, uh, of, of toy collecting, especially the new stuff. And so I just packed everything up and put it aside. And that was it for toy collecting for a while for me. And then life continued to happen. You know, I, I got married, I have kids and Yet these toys just kind of follow me around, and my you know I wasn't collecting anymore, but they were taking up a lot of space. 
And then that brings me to 2015. In the winter of 2015, when my colleague said, Jared, didn't you used to collect toys, Star Wars toys? What if you brought those out and you put them on display uh, in anticipation of uh, this new movie that's coming out? And so those, a lot of those new toys, I then started just dumping, just selling for whatever I could get. But it got it out of my house and I was able to earn some money to buy some of those pieces that eventually went on display in what I call the Nostalgia Awakens, which is the exhibit that I created of uh, all the vintage Star Wars toys, which uh, I still still love and, and I'm grateful to be able to share it with um, so many people of my generation who have those same feelings and memories of, of Star Wars and childhood as I do. And a special thanks to Greg Hengler for a great job producing that piece and, and getting the story. And also a special thanks to Jared Roll. The story of Jared Roll and the story of Star Wars and how young people and older people across this country and around the world reacted to this American classic trilogy here on Our American Story. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 join us march 20th live from the edge at hudson yards in new york city featuring an unforgettable performance by grammy and academy award-winning singer songwriter and composer john batiste the all-new infinity qx80 is unlike any luxury suv you've ever seen smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do 
Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you, because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. And we return to Our American Stories. And up next, a story that's one of a kind. In the early 1950s through 70s, a son of penniless Czech immigrants somehow managed to amass an arsenal of military aircraft, albeit unflyable, in his own backyard. His name was Walter Saplata. Here to tell his story is Wally Saplata, Walter's son, and the author of The B-25 in the Backyard. Here's our own Monty Montgomery with a story. Our story begins in the home state of the Wright Brothers, Ohio. Here's Wally Soplata on the eccentric airplane collector that was his father. Even as a young boy, I realized my father was different. As a result, the way we lived was different. But though we had airplanes parked near our house, it wasn't anything I paid much attention to in my early years. The planes didn't fly or do anything. Days, months, sometimes years would go by, the planes doing nothing, sitting in the same spot. For many reasons, this is an improbable story that never would have happened in the hands of any other person than the gifted eccentric who was my father. The Great Depression financially devastated his family when my father was six years old. And things only got worse when dad's abusive and alcoholic father abandoned him and his family when he was eight years old. Later, to help support a struggling family, dad was forced to go to work at an early age and thus was unable to attend high school. Despite such harsh and difficult times, there was one interest that fascinated my father and brought him great happiness as a young man, airplanes. It's been said that model airplanes that kids like my father made back then were the equivalent to what video games became to more recent generations of children. Adding to his fascination with airplanes, the major events that occurred during his childhood, such as Charles Lindbergh being the first to fly across the Atlantic, made front page headlines exciting people of all nations. Unfortunately, a house fire was yet another hardship for my father to endure. Not only did my father and his family lose their home, but almost all of the model airplanes he spent countless hours building were lost in the fire. And his devotion to aircraft and their history was unshaken by the loss. He would soon turn to a collection of real airplanes that would become his lifelong passion. There's various versions of this joke about airplanes. What is it that makes airplanes fly? Is it the lift of the wings, or the power of the engine, or the skill of the pilot? And the answer to the joke is no, it's none of those things. What makes airplanes fly 
is money. Sometimes a lot of money. Going back to the beginning of World War II, one thing you did not need money for was to join the Army Air Corps and become a pilot. But serving the military wasn't meant to be for him. Dad had a serious speech problem with a stutter. The draft board informed my father that he was completely unqualified to serve in the U.S. military. That put a big monkey on Dad's back, especially with his older brother George serving in the Army and coming home from the Philippines as a war hero. Still, Dad did what he could and worked in a Cleveland factory making aircraft fuel pumps during the war. When the war ended, he, like so many working to build aircraft and aircraft components, suddenly found themselves without a job. So it was after the war that he got into the scrap metal business, working to recycle the large aircraft engines coming out of their crates. He was occasionally able to purchase an engine now and then, and eventually his first few aircraft. He started with an American Eagle biplane. Next, he got an airplane that's a single engine trainer called the Valti BT-15 trainer. It's a propeller plane with one engine. In 1951, he purchased his first Navy Corsair, a fighter plane formed by the Navy, operated off aircraft carriers in World War II. Dad paid $100 for his first Corsair. He paid $500 for the second one and $200 for the third. So for a total price of $800, he had three Corsairs. Flyable Corsair today, you're gonna look at spending somewhere around two and a half million dollars, uh, plus or minus, but you know, certainly not the kind of numbers we're talking. Dad eventually got hired for a construction career as a union carpenter, which for him was a big break. And with a little extra money in his wallet, he set his sights on bigger aircraft. But a big frustration with Dad was that he was always out of money. He had five kids and uh, you know, Dad was often unemployed during the winter months. Over many, many years, if you could find a day when he had more than $50 in his wallet or $1,000 in the bank, those were some really good days. If there was one thing the Great Depression taught him, it was the value of being self-sufficient and being able to improvise with the things you do have when you can't afford what you don't have. The best example of Dad's self-sufficient aptitude involves his need for a crane to assemble the aircraft after towing them home. He could not afford a crane. So instead, he used a variety of items from some junked trucks and junked airplanes to build his own boom truck lift that we all refer to affectionately as the boom tractor without spending 50 bucks, if even that. And always thinking of controlling cost, Dad never kept a battery in it. Instead, we mooched off the family Suburban and borrowed its battery on the days we used the tractor. Yet more penny-pinching to the extreme, the tractor sometimes ran the Suburban battery dead. But Dad refused to buy a battery charger. Instead, we'd put the dead battery back in the Suburban, get the vehicle rolling downhill, and then pop the clutch to start the Suburban's engine, and then let the Suburban's engine generator recharge the battery. What he really wanted to do if he had more money was to go out to Arizona. Uh, Arizona is a state where there were giant aircraft boneyards, most military aircraft in World War II ended up being scrapped in Arizona. And you could buy airplanes basically for their value in scrap metal. But he didn't have the money to go there. And in those days, nobody had credit cards. So if you didn't have the money, you just couldn't do it. But he still dreamed of Arizona. 
Uh, I called it the airplane land of milk and honey. He talked about it all the time, and Dad would show me photographs of the boneyards where they were melting these airplanes down. I mean, as far as the eye can see, miles and miles of airplanes lined up, all to be melted down and uh, destroyed. Closest he got to it, uh, doing that, he bought a, a junked school bus. He bought the bus for about $100 at a salvage yard. It was a 1945 school bus made by the White Motor Company. It had the typical rust from being in Ohio. You could tell a few kids had played in that bus. It was a, it was a beater. So dad was gonna make a camper out of it and like stories of West, go out West Arizona and hunt for some airplanes. But he never could get to Arizona. So the bus sat in Ohio and then uh, a good friend of his from then had took over what had now become a magnesium plant. And he called my dad, he said, Walter, uh, I don't know what's going on here, but he's shocked. He got some really rare, unusual engines in a scrap bid. This guy, Mike the Scrap Man, said, I don't, I don't think I should scrap these engines. They, they, they're pretty rare engines. And so he sold a whole lot of about 10 engines to my father for like $100. Dad didn't have a truck, so what did he do? He uh, takes a school bus and gets a torch, and he cuts a seam along the rear wall to where he, there's the standard emergency exit at the back of the school bus, but he decides it's not wide enough, so he gets a torch, and he cuts the metal so he can bend the both sides of the door open to make the bus wider to fit those engines in his bus. And that's how I got those, those rare engines home was to haul him in his school bus. That was the first trip with the bus, getting these very, very rare engines. And uh, Dad realized, hey, I can haul stuff with this thing. Some strange things happen. And you've been listening to Wally Soplata tell the story of his father, Walter's passion, almost obsession, for airplanes. The story of the B-25 in the backyard continues here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. 
Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. And we return to Our American Stories and the story of Walter Saplata, an eccentric airplane collector, as told by his son, Wally. When we last left off, we were learning about the motivations of Walter and the school bus he bought to take mostly unflyable, decommissioned weapons of war into his own backyard. Let's return to Wally, who's about to tell one heck of a story about the school bus's finest moment. Though Dad had gone on to become a carpenter, when he was laid off, he wasn't going to sit around and do nothing. Well, he still had contacts in the scrap metal business. He bids on a jet airplane in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, the Cutlass Jet. It's at a base called South Weymouth Naval Air Station. And it's a jet fighter plane that's uh, being sold for scrap. The scrap paperwork tells that its acquisition cost in Navy was in excess of $1 million. And Dad says, oh, what the heck, I probably won't win, but he, he offers a bid of $200 for the jet fighter plane. And a few weeks later, he's kind of surprised in the mail that he is the highest bidder. And he's really kind of nervous. It's 600 miles away. He has yet to haul an airplane more than about 40, 50 miles. And as he studies more and more about this jet airplane, it's quite big. It's a Navy airplane, which means it's heavy because it's going to operate from aircraft carriers. He does not have a truck, and he doesn't have a lot of money. So this is really the school bus's big story. Uh, so he drives it to the Navy base, gets there just fine. And the Navy people, of course, think, oh, 
he's using the bus as his camper while he stayed here to work on this jet he just purchased. Little did they know that dad's gonna do more cutting with the torch and he plans to cut the rest of the back wall of the bus off and stuff the fuselage of this Navy jet inside the bus for its trip home. This, of course, raises the eyebrows of the civil servants working at the disposal yard. So they call in the Navy brass to say, you know, what's going on here? My dad honestly remembered him retelling the story when he got back that he was really afraid that they would just lock him up as a lunatic. I mean, you're gonna do what? You're gonna haul this jet airplane inside your school bus. It just doesn't make any sense, but he explains it. It's all I got. I mean, they even asked him some questions like, hey, uh, when's the rest of your crew coming? You know, and they of course expect a scrapyard crew with a, and dad understood they kind of expected each other to put a big flatbed 18-wheeler semi-truck. But he hasn't got a crew and he hasn't got the truck. He's just got the school bus. And there's another issue. Rightly so, the military's become concerned about letting go of their combat airplanes. In theory, you could buy a jet airplane and maybe sell to some foreign country that then decides to use our own weapon against us. Very valid concern. And so they came up with some rules about demilitarization about this time. They said, no part of the airplane can be bigger than four feet in length. Basically, you've got to chop it up and destroy it before it leaves the base. He wants to display this jet in his kind of private museum in his backyard. And just about time he really thinks he's going to get locked up as a nutcase. So, and he's, the office, some of the senior brass come to visit with him and he sees they've got wings on their chest. These guys are aviators. And Dad would later say, he goes, I don't know why I did it, but I took my airplane scrapbook with me. And I ran in the bus and got the scrapbook and started showing them photographs of the planes he had. The Air Race Corsair that won the 1947 Cleveland National Air Races. Another Corsair from the Akron Naval Air Station. And it turned out some of the officers had flown Corsairs. They, oh my gosh, you've got Corsairs. A great Navy aircraft. Uh, good for you. They go, maybe this guy's really not a nutcase. He's actually got airplanes and he's displaying them. They said, what do you charge to the public? He said, I don't charge anything. People just come over and look at the planes anytime they want. And uh, I'd really like to save this cutlass. So they're like, well, we're, well we, don't know, we don't know what to do. And then, uh, so they let Dad go look at the airplane and they're not sure whether to give the okay in any of this. But they said, go ahead and start working out, look at it, see what you think. My father didn't get to go to high school, but he's a very smart man. A lot of genius inside of that man's head. So he crawled on the plane and he comes back to the brass and he says, I've got an idea here. And they go, what is it? He says, well, I understand you don't want the airplane to fly again. I get that. But I want to take my torch and I'm going to cut chunks out of the wing and I'm going to hacksaw some parts out of the fuselage and I'm going to make the airplane structurally very weak. It'll be strong enough to stand up together on display in my yard. But if somebody tried to fly it, it wouldn't be able to take the stress of flight and the airplane would break up in flight. And so the officer said, well, we got some airplane mechanics on base and we'll have them inspect the airplane when you're done. And if they concur that the airplane can't fly again, then we'll let you keep it in one piece. And sure enough, when you got the airplane inspected, the, the Navy mechanics assured the officer, say, yeah, this, this airplane can never fly again. It, it'll, just, it'll come apart. Mr. Zapata has weakened it to the point that it's not gonna fly ever. And so with that, they, they let that keep the airplane. But the next challenge, of course, the big challenge is, is getting this thing home.
They advised dad, they were worried about, besides the jet going in the bus, they said, you know, it's really gonna be very heavy, you know, for that school bus to carry all this weight. And dad kind of thought about that. He said, well, that means I have to make another trip to Boston. So no. So finally, I got a photo of this, by the way, just so we don't think I'm crazy. I got photographs of this. There's a crane, I'm looking at it right now, holding up the bus, and it's being pushed inside the school bus. It doesn't exactly fit. It's, <laughs> there's a, Dad cut a slot through the roof for the cable of the crane to hold the airplane up. But it kept getting stuck, and uh, finally somebody got the idea to get a bulldozer and push from behind and have Dad sit in the driver's seat, hold the brakes and block the tires and, and push the thing in with a, a, a bulldozer. And I said earlier that it's kind of a good thing the bus came from Ohio and, and there was a lot of rust because basically the, the body, right where the wall joins the floor, it just said, I've had enough, and it split out and it ripped apart, which caused the Navy guys to name it the Banana Bus. And his dad described it, he's in the driver's seat, and there's the sound of the bulldozer, there's screeching metal and popping and all kinds of bad sounds and the nose is coming forward and forward, closer to him and closer to him and finally dawns on him. If this thing suddenly goes cockeyed one side or the other, it could crush me to death up here in the driver's seat if anything got out of alignment. But it went okay and it's finally the, they got the thing all the way in and the very nose of the jet is right up against the driver's seat. As they're getting ready to go, uh, Dad learns that the Navy personnel have been gambling a little bit and placing bets on whether he'll make it or not. So he's heard this going on for a couple days. And as he's about to drive away, he asks one of the guys, says, hey, uh, what's the highest bet thus far? You know, how many guys think I'll make it? And the guy laughed and said, oh, uh, nobody thinks you're gonna make it. Uh, but the highest bet is 50 miles. He did make it home okay. He said, man, I should have taken their money. I, you know, they'll bet on me not making it, and I made it. But he didn't come home entirely unscathed, as he pointed out to us. He got arrested like eight times. The biggest mistake he made was to drive the school bus on the New York State Thruway. And it might have been later in Pennsylvania, he told a great fun story. He said a, a cop pulled him over and you know, took the sight into this airplane in the bus, and. The one officer said, uh, well, I'm not gonna call you into the station. And Dad goes, well, why not? And he goes, if I make a call to the station that I've got a guy with a, a jet airplane and a school bus, they'll think I'm drinking. So I'm not saying anything. And so <laughs> I was surprised to hear that. But that's the story my father told. Uh, and just the whole bold um, movement to get this jet fighter plane home under such you know uh, difficult conditions uh, gave Dad a really strong sense of confidence. Hey, if I could do that, got away with a big airplane in a, in a big way. It really uh, was a turning point for him to just really get a lot of confidence that uh, you know, nothing can stop me. And it gave Walter the confidence to get bigger planes, including a B-25 bomber called Wild Cargo, that unlike many of the other planes Walter would put in his backyard, eventually flew again. But what does Wally, his son, Think about his father's obsession with all things aviation. Only in America could Walter A. Zapata, the son of penniless Czech immigrants, single-handedly accomplish so much in an obsessive mission to save historic aircraft, particularly from World War II. The most stunning and sobering aspect of his collection was the fact that the 
he had not saved these treasures, it was all but certain that most, if not all of them, would have been cut up for scrap metal. He alone, on a shoestring budget of a carpenter raising five children, had taken on this Herculean endeavor in a way that no one before him or after him could ever hope to duplicate. And great job, as always, by Monty Montgomery on the piece. And a special thanks to Wally Saplata. And by the way, the book is The B-25 in the Backyard, and you can find it on Amazon or any place where books are sold. The story of Walter Saplata, as told by his son Wally, here on Our American Stories. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.